Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, everybody. This is Joe Lynch. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. Today, I'm talking with my very good friend, Ann Holmes. Say hello, Ann. Hello. Glad to be back. It's always great to have you here. And we're going to be talking about a topic we've talked about quite a bit, which is toiling in obscurity. So the name of the topic today is Stop Toiling in Obscurity. And it's something that Ann and I have wanted to do for the last few months. We've talked about it. It's on our list. And we both love the topic. So without further delay, Ann, tell us a little bit about you before we get started. I know you've been on the show before, but in case someone didn't hear your bio. Yeah, yeah. So I am an executive coach, and I've been doing that for the past 11 years. Prior to that, I worked with brain injury. And so that was for another 25 years. So I've been around a little bit. My whole career has been about helping individuals be at their best, get the most out of who they are. So this topic that we're going to be talking about today is one that really speaks to me because I think so many people do this to themselves and don't know how to step away from what we're about to talk about. Yep. And just to get this topic started, I'm going to tell the story how I met you. So I spent most of my career, I started working at 19 and I got my my undergrad and my master's degree at night school. But I worked in automotive, first as a an engineer for many years and then a program manager. Then I got into consulting, did a lot of workshops, kind of moved from the engineering and product development side over to the supply chain side over time. That's how I got into logistics. And when the great meltdown happened, I was working with Chrysler. Chrysler went bankrupt. I worked for an outside supplier and I lost my job. And when I lost my job, I thought, God, this is different this time because Chrysler went bankrupt. They had no projects going on. And I had always kind of been pulled along to the next project by old bosses and friends. And I said, oh, Joe's a great guy. Bring him, bring him. And so I had maybe this sense that I was safe because I have this great network. I have all these friends and trusted colleagues and old bosses who will hire me. And none of them could. Heck, half of them got laid off. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so, I, so I ended up getting into logistics, and I did find a very nice place to land. Shortly after, I hired Ann as my executive coach, which, by the way, was one of the best career decisions I've ever made. Thank you, mm-hmm. Ann. <laughs> Thank so you. one of the things I said to Ann is, I never want that to happen to me again. That I mean, it will never leave my my consciousness because I was unemployed or underemployed for a few years. I mean, it was horrible. I thought a lot of us were. And Ann said, you know, you got to become part of the conversation. And, and ultimately, I started the logistics of logistics as a blog while still working in a 3PL. And part of that was I want to build up a network beyond the one that I thought kept me safe clearly didn't keep me safe. So, so so that was my own. And I will say this, I was one of those guys who toiled in obscurity. I did have friends and, you know, again, colleagues who would always, you know, find a project for me, but I was toiling in obscurity in that there wasn't a larger network that I could count on. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So, and now that we've got my whole life history out there, when we talk about what is toiling obscurity, what is it? 
Yeah. So if you look at the two words, you and I had a good chuckle when we looked the words up, even in the dictionary, just to uh, see if there was anything there that you know we could add to this conversation. And there really was. So when you look at the word obscurity, you're talking about the quality of being insignificant, the quality of being hidden, unknown, unknown, (laughs) inconspicuous, uh, inconspicuous, (laughs) all those things. So you look at the word obscurity, and that's not a good thing to be obscure in general. And then we looked at the word toil, because my understanding of the word toil meant that you were working harder than just working. And indeed, that's that's what toiling is. Toiling it's incessantly. Means, it's incessant. <laughs> it's, you know, sweat from the brow, working super, super hard beyond what would be considered beneficial to your to your well-being. So toiling in obscurity is, is actually a bad thing. Now, uh, we also had a, a prior discussion about this regarding, well, what about the artist that toils in obscurity and all of that? Yeah, there is a romantic version of this where, you know, the person's toiling in obscurity and, you know, somehow somebody pulls the curtain back and he's finally discovered for the for the entity that he is, the diamond in the rough, you know, the truth has been unveiled and all that. That happens, but it doesn't happen very often. And it certainly is not, in my view, something that would happen in the field of logistics. You might be the, you know, the, the man who composed 50 you know, symphonies and, and that was discovered in your office 50 years after you died or something like that. But in general, toiling in obscurity is not a beneficial position to be no. in. No. And, and if you think about it, that artist or that, that writer who's in his basement creating masterpieces, somehow he doesn't need a job. He has a job. He toils in obscurity. Most of us are going to need a job someday. Not, most of us are going to need a job or a client or new opportunities to come our way. Yep. And that means I can't toil in obscurity. I yes. can't be inconspicuous. I can't be unimportant. Yes, yes. Because what you lose out on when you are toiling in obscurity is this idea of having any sort of influence, having any sort of leadership. You're in a position where you're, you're you're not able to guide your ship in any way because you're you're behind the curtain. You're behind the curtain. So uh, exactly, it's, it's a it's a tough position to be in, and it's and it's probably particularly well timed to start thinking about this as you head into 2020. You know, do you want to toil in obscurity in 2020? So. So let's talk about, obviously, none of us want to be that unknown, inconspicuous, unimportant, insignificant guy <laughs> or gal. So how do we go about, I mean, so what, let's talk a little bit more about yeah. the benefits of not being that person. Okay. The, the inverse of toiling in obscurity. Okay. What is that and what are some of the benefits of it? Okay. Okay. So because this is 2019, almost 2020, one of the first things that we do when we want to find out who somebody is, is we go on to Google and we look to see if this person is in any way legit. So, you know, maybe you're in line to be interviewed for a job. Maybe um, you are wanting to connect with significant individuals and who you, you know, who you're going to offer your product to. One of the first things we do is we go online and we could look to see how legitimate that individual is. So we may, for instance, go look at a LinkedIn profile. We might look to see if they've done something significant in their career 
to warrant uh, having them stand out above their competition. So that's the first thing that you gain from it is you gain legitimacy in the 21st century workplace. Yep. And you're so right about that. So often when I'm talking to someone, they'll call me, I'll be Googling them as we speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just, and, and of course you do, you're right. You usually get their LinkedIn profile or their company profile, but you want to see if they're listing an old job or if they get, oh, I don't have a LinkedIn profile. Well, right away, you're like, that's not right. Something's yep. wrong with this gal, or, guy or gal. Yeah, at least it makes you think twice. And if it's if you have four guys that or gals that are in line to get the job or or the customer or whatever, and three out of four of them have a LinkedIn profile and you don't, it's one of the ways people will filter for legitimacy. Right. So legitimacy is the first one. What's the second benefit of not toiling in obscurity? The benefit of networking. So your story at the beginning of our conversation was really important because in the old days, you know, and really network- well told. Yes, we all indeed, indeed. But in the old days, you know, the networking took place basically maybe within your own company or you would go to networking events maybe or something like that. But now much of networking at least at the very beginning is done online. So uh, it sets, it warms the cold contacts. So if you, for instance, let's say you have some, some cold calling you have to do. Here's just one example. You've got some cold calling you need to do. If that individual has in some way heard of you by way of, you know, either looking you up on the internet or by way of, of uh, checking your LinkedIn contacts, you know, contacting somebody who might know you, you've warmed the contact. The term is warmed the cold call. Uh, So it has an enormous benefit. And you know what? The name of the game is we're all looking for new opportunities, whether it's within your own organization or another one, or you're looking for new business. A lot of the people listening to this podcast are sales guys. We're looking to be found. So when somebody Googles a, a problem, you'd like to be the guy they find. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So what's the next one, Anne, after legitimizing me and uh, the networking benefit? What's the next one? Now, this one is an interesting benefit. It's I, I call it clarifying your message or your value proposition. So when you have to sit down and you have to start to ask yourself, what am I about and how am I going to let people know that, it actually serves as an opportunity for you to clarify what that actually is. So, you know, for instance, if you were going to write a blog, let's just say that was your thing you're going to do, it takes a fair amount of thinking to say, well, what is it I want to say? What is it I want to share? What's important? What adds value? And when you go through that exercise as you're producing some sort of a product, even if it's even if it's uh, making your LinkedIn profile more attractive, maybe even it's just that. But when you have to sit down and actually consider your value proposition, you gain a lot of clarity. So that is another benefit for uh, stepping out from behind the curtain. Yep. And and I think part of that clarity is you're reflecting on what you know, Yes, what you think you know. Exactly. And, and I always remember for this from back in my school days, my, one of my professors said, how do you know you know about a topic? And we all guessed all sorts of things. And ultimately, the prof said... When you reflect on it, you yes. know, you you figure out what you know on. Exactly. And so 
legitimizing networking and reflection. Those are three great benefits. What's a, what's another benefit? Another benefit of stepping out from behind the curtain is it basically gives you an opportunity for personal growth. So you step out from behind the curtain and you start to let it be known what you do. You're giving yourself an opportunity to stretch beyond your comfort zone. So a lot of us who don't try to step out from the toiling in obscurity, we just end up getting more toil. So the doers just get more doing and they don't get any sort of additional benefit of leadership, influence, networking, all the different things that we've been talking about. They don't get that. They just tend to get more work. So right. And also you never gain the confidence that you would get from doing all these things. Exactly. Either. It gets you out of your comfort zone. So you're not doing the same stuff that you've been doing and, and more of it. Yep. So, so so if we want to step out of this, you know, get so we're not toiling in obscurity. So we're we're kind of putting ourselves out there to become influencers, become leaders. Yep. Obviously it's all plus. You're you're an executive coach, you're an expert in the brain. Tell me why people don't do this. What holds them back? Yeah, so I I think most people would agree that there's benefits for having people know about the work that you do. I I don't think there'd be very few people who would make the argument that, you know, hey, there's no value in uh, being known for what you do. So what I think holds people back is a few things that are apart from from the work that you're doing. So the first one, I think, is it is a step outside of the comfort zone. If you have to speak up, for instance, if you have to put yourself out there, that always is a challenge. I guess the way I would put it is if you think of the way we feel, for instance, when we have to do public speaking, we have this, we have what we call the caveman brain, and so it makes us fear, uh, you're looking out into an audience, it gives us the same fear as, you know, if a saber-toothed tiger was waiting to devour us. I mean, we just have this this mechanism. Yeah, it's that very causes, irrational. <laughs> yeah, but it's that mechanism that causes us to, or helps us to be safe. Well, what it does is, it, because it's it's a very basic feeling in us, it's, it's a, you know, it's referred to as sort of a caveman brain kind of a thing we actually hold ourselves back based on some sort of a comfort zone thing that is really not significant. It's easy to kind of stay in the crowd and not speak up. <laughs> right. Right. It is. It is. It's easy. It's easy to not put yourself out there because it feels comfortable and it feels safe. And again, for everybody who's trying something new, there's a certain amount of awkwardness that goes with it. So sometimes people just don't want to take that on. So beyond the comfort zone, what's some other reasons people won't go and do these things that are required? Yeah. So some of it is just being not native to some of these tools that allow you to step out of your comfort zone and allow you to step out from behind the veil of obscurity. You know, there there's a whole bunch of us that are still working that did not grow up with the age of the internet. And so, you know, when you talk to somebody who might be you know, in their 50s or something and say, you know, you really ought to have a LinkedIn profile. Oh, you know, I was going to do that, but I felt like I didn't know what I was doing or I felt intimidated or I felt exposed or whatever. So just not being a native to some of this stuff can hold you back. 
Yeah, and that's so true. And I think there's, <laughs> being in my 50s, I can say this, There, there is a lot of people who are my peers and my age group who don't understand how LinkedIn works. And I, I, this sounds so stupid because it's an easy tool, but I remember maybe a year ago, two years ago, I was at a cocktail party, saw an old buddy, and he said, oh, yeah, Joe, I meant to write it down. There's this cool network thing. I And he kept trying to describe it, I go, and he goes, I forgot the name. Oh, I'll, I'll remember it before. And I go, so LinkedIn, he goes, yeah, you got to get on it. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I've been on it like 10 years. And I was yeah. just kind of blown away <laughs> that yeah. he didn't have it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, but it's just people who are not native to this, just, you know, and they don't, you know, it's not even, well, it's that. Plus, if you are not able to see the immediate benefit, if you're not able to envision the benefit to doing this, you're not going to do it. So, you know, if you have, you know, you're not native to this and somebody says, oh, you got to be on LinkedIn and you can't envision what you'd actually gain out of it, you're not likely to challenge yourself to actually do it. Yep. So, you know, being aware of some of those fears, just I'm not native to this, and so I just don't want to do it. Ask yourself if that's actually going to trip you up or hold you back. Yep. So not wanting to leave your comfort zone, not not being native to some of the tools that you can use, that's those two good ones. What's another one? It's an interesting phenomenon, you know, one of the ways to step out from behind the veil is to let it be known your expertise or your value proposition. Well, it's true that a lot of people who are curious or who never think they know enough actually don't think of themselves as having anything to say because there's always so much more that they don't know. And so they decide they don't want to say anything because they don't know any, you know, they don't know the whole story. They don't know everything there is to know. So actually people who are very well informed and are experts are kind of hard on themselves and they look at themselves as, oh, no, 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 I'm not an expert because so-and-so down, you know, in this department knows more about it than I do, or I don't really, I only know this part of it or whatever. But it's it's in participating in that conversation that, you know, you start to reveal some of your expertise. But there is a, there is a phenomenon that people have about not wanting to be seen as, you know, know-it-alls or anything like that, or they just don't know enough, so they're not going to say anything. And that is really, I can be detrimental. Yep. And we talked about this one offline. We have, Anna and I have a sales sales training and coaching program. So we work with a lot of people and we had to, we talk about our, our clients and, uh, you know, their development. And one of the things that's always been interesting to me is people who say, well, I'm really not an expert. I'm not yeah. that guy. I don't yeah. know. And yeah. you're like, oh my God, you are that person. Yeah. And to some extent, until you do share it, you're always going to feel that way. Because I know Anne encouraged me to write a blog post, guys, it goes back probably to eight years ago now, but I remember thinking, God, when I, when I post this, there's going to be immediate backlash on me being, on sharing this. Like, who do I think I am? And you know, this, (laughs) how does that idiot get a voice? (laughs) And for the most part, you can, I've written hundreds of articles. I've done podcasts, webinars. Very, very seldom does anybody say anything negative. Usually it's like, oh, this is good stuff. Yep, or yep. or more, more likely, nobody's, nobody says anything about it. Well, <laughs> so, yeah. Well, there's billions of people in the world. And so there's, there's a set of ears or two or three or a dozen or a hundred or more 
who are very interested in what you have to say. But we get ourselves tied into this idea that, oh, no, 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 you know, I, I am just, I'm just not enough of an expert. And we actually not only deprive our, our uh, customers or our colleagues with something that might be helpful to them, but we miss out on actually being part of the conversation where we actually can learn more by way of throwing out some ideas. You're coming to it from a humble place when you're creating content. If you write an article, you could write right out of school and say, you know, maybe you've been working six months and you got a supply chain degree. You write an article, five things my supply chain degree didn't teach me, or five right. surprises that I found with joining the logistics business, or reflections on my 20 years in logistics. It, 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 you're sharing ideas. Yep. You're not at any point saying, hey, here's the definitive guide to logistics or supply yeah. chain. You're just yeah. sharing, hey, here's, I, I have a view of the world. My, my voice is as valid as any. My perspective is as valid as any. I'm sharing it. Right. Somebody's going to get value out of it. Somebody will. And you know what? Another thing I say to my clients, too, is you're not producing a final carved in stone brochure on all things related to your topic. You're actually just moving the energy along by way of participating. Putting a brick in the, in the wall. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly, exactly. But it's so funny because a lot of times people feel like, oh, I, I don't know if I want to say that because, you know, there's always the possibility that uh, six months from now that won't be valid. Well, in six months you can say, I've learned this in addition to. Right, right. So these are good ones so far. So the reason people don't do these, get out behind the veil of obscurity is they don't want to get out of their comfort zone. They feel like they might not know enough. Maybe some don't feel comfortable with the platforms and the technology. Yep. They're not native to it. And then we talked about one last one, Anne. So let's talk about that. Yeah. The last one that we talked about is outdated thinking. Yeah. So there's lots and lots of outdated thinking as far as getting out from behind the veil. You know, one of them, for instance, might be women and how they view themselves and what they've done traditionally. And I've actually been to an entire conference where women talked about how they end up being doers at work, but they don't end up having influence because there isn't any sort of avenue that they can identify to step into those, into those conversations. So yes. they hold themselves back. And that is so true. And, uh, you know, um, the clients that we share uh, who are in our program – so often it's the women who have so much knowledge, so much to share, and they're the ones kind of holding back saying, oh, I don't feel like I'm quite there yet, Yeah, where it's less likely to be with a, a man. So I think it's this outdated thinking, you know, you think about like the demure 50s mom who just wants her husband to do well yeah. and really wants her children to do well. Nothing for me, thanks. And that's not where we're living anymore. You you want your career to be successful. You need to kind of get out there and feel a little more like that guy who might not know nearly as much who, yeah. who's willing to share. So women really need to get out there a little more and uh, get out of that outdated thinking. Another is this idea of uh, being discovered. You know, so just that that somebody you know, just just by luck somebody will discover you. But the truth of the matter is, is that these things that will move you along from getting behind the curtain are actually strategic moves. They aren't luck. They aren't things that just end from the sky. They're actually strategic things that you do in order to position yourself for success. And so there's some outdated thinking around 
how do I do this? Because th- this is the age of information, because the internet is available to everybody, everybody has an opportunity to step into and do their best self. There's a term for it. It's called personal brand, but it's just this idea of what's your value proposition. And we all have the opportunity to do that. But many of us are a little reluctant because, you know, we might be thinking, you know, that, you know, we don't want to step out that far because we're female or we don't want to look like we're bragging or we hope that we'll just be discovered for all our hard work. Those are outdated ways of thinking because now there are pathways to step out and be known. Yep, very definitely true. And there's two other things related to outdated thinking that I see. One is related to permission versus choose yourself. Yeah. All sorts of books written out there now. James Altucher's got a great book, Choose Yourself. And I've been asked to speak at conferences over the last... 10 years. And the reason I was, and so I've been working for a long time since I was 19, almost 40 years. The first 30 years, I wasn't asked very much, but the last 10 years, I get asked a lot. It wasn't like I all of a sudden became an expert. It was because I started writing some articles and doing webinars. And so when somebody asked me to speak at a conference, it wasn't because they said, well, finally, we've We've seen your brilliance, Joe. No, they just saw some YouTube video I created. I, yep. I recorded a webinar. Yep. So so this idea that I'm, I should wait around till I'm chosen, no. Yep. The way you'll be chosen is by getting out there. And yeah. then there's Leave one other- Leave some breadcrumbs. <laughs> Leave some breadcrumbs is what you're doing. Right. And there's one other thing that's out there. The old way of doing things was, I'll keep my head down, I'll do a great job, and my boss is going to take care of me, and I'll be here for 35 years, and then I'll retire with a pension. That's not going to happen for 99.9% of you, nor me, nor Ann. So the idea that you're waiting for your boss to tell you, uh, by the way, Ann, you need to write an article and you need to get yourself out there because guess what? You might be laid off in six months. That's not not a conversation you're going to have. So you need to realize that this networking or this networking and this getting out of your comfort zone, all the things we've talked about is all about getting out there for the next job. The next opportunity might go to the person who gets discovered for creating something. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite quotes is from uh, Joanne Howard, the Michigan basketball coach is, and what he says to his players, be ready so you don't have to get ready. Now that it's Michigan basketball season, I can sense that we're going to get a lot of quotes from Joanne Howard. <laughs> Joanne Howard. But it's true. Be ready so you don't have to get ready. So let's, you know, the, the sands shift from underneath you your job is eliminated or, you know, you move because, you know, your your spouse has to move and so you've got to move or whatever. You just don't know. The statistics on how many jobs that a person is going to have over the course of the lifetime is on the order of about 20, if not more. I, I can't remember. I know it's at least 20. So you have to be at the ready. You have to be, you have to have some body of work and some defined value proposition so that your transitions are smoother. Yeah, which brings us to the next topic, Anne. So I'll I'll summarize this first one here. So why people don't do this oftentimes is for reasons that are a little outdated. They don't want to leave their comfort zone. We all know we're supposed to. They're not native to the technologies and the platforms. You need to get out there, get over that. Have your kids show you. (laughs) Um, Number three, they feel like they don't know enough. And then four is this outdated thinking, especially, again, for women feeling like they should be a supporting role. And for people who are waiting for permission, these are really all outdated ideas. We have to get beyond that. So, and when we say we're going to get out there, we're going to become an influencer, which, boy, I hate that word now. I'll just say, we're going to become a thought leader. How do I go about doing that? 
Yeah. So I actually have a, a, a list of five from the least painful to what would be the most challenging or the most outside of the comfort zone. And these are just five examples. And so I'd like to offer them up for consideration for the year 2020. The first one is to create a meaningful LinkedIn profile that reflects your level of professional expertise and your level of professionalism overall. So that means having a good headshot. That means having a headline that defines you know, who you are and having a summary so that people can know quickly what it is you bring to the party. So, so having a, a good updated LinkedIn profile would be the entry-level challenge that I would offer. Yep. You need that for sure. So that's number one, and that's a basic. Everyone should do that. There's no discussion on that one. Yep, so yep. what's the next thing? What's the a little more challenging? A little bit more challenging is creating a network because now you, of course, have to stick your neck out and ask individuals to connect with you. So I recommend when you do that that you put a personal note with it. Don't just hit connect and hit connect and hit connect. Unless, of course, this is, you know, somebody you know really, really well and you're just, you know, building your network. But if you're going to be speaking to somebody or requesting a connection with somebody that's new, saying something like, uh, I noticed you're uh, in this industry and I would like to connect with you. So, so stepping out and creating those network connections is the second most challenging thing yep. you can do. And it's not just a numbers game. It's not just about saying I, I hit four thousand people on my LinkedIn. You right. should know them. Ideally, there's some. It's fine to have a lot of numbers because I have yeah. a ton of people I'm connected to because right, I'm sharing content. So the more the merrier. But I want to connect mostly to logistics and supply chain people. But I also have a lot of those people have become people I talk to on the phone and people who I consider yep. friends, even even in faraway cities, mostly in faraway cities. So yep. uh, there's no reason it has to just be a number, a superficial relationship. It should be a little deeper. Yeah, yeah. In fact, that's how we got introduced to each other was by yep. way of LinkedIn. I, I, I discovered Ann on LinkedIn. So what's the next one, Ann? To participate in the industry. So comment. You may not be ready to produce a piece of content yourself, but read something that has to do with your industry, share it, like it. When you share it, make a comment. You know, I, I found the, it might be as simple as I found tip number three to be particularly helpful because blah, 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 and then you share the article. So you start to comment and share on content. You know, it might be by way of Twitter. We've talked about LinkedIn, but it could be Twitter too. You could be reading something about what's expected in 2020 with with the, the logistics industry. And you might see something in there that just is relevant to the work that you do. And you might say something like, in my experience, the author is correct when he says this is probably going to happen in 2020. So you just learn how to comment and share content. Yep. And I will say this, and uh, over the years, I've gotten business this way uh, by commenting. And I've also, uh, I think about uh, some of the guys who I've met who've given me great advice over time. And I, I could name a, a dozen of them right off the top of my head who commented something on an article that I wrote or did a webinar or did a podcast. And you and I, over the weekend, we were exchanging, we we're in a three-way conversation with somebody who commented on our podcast. So yeah. lots of great relationships can be built just the way Anne described. Become part of that conversation, comment, share, get out there. Yep. What's the next one, Anne? 
The next one is to somehow volunteer to represent your company. So if you get an opportunity to go to a, a networking for, event, for instance, or you get the opportunity to speak at a conference for your company, somehow get involved in volunteering to take on a, a leadership role, an out there kind of role. It's really helpful if you can do that, if you can become you step out from behind the curtain and you actually get involved in your company. Now, if you're a person who works by yourself, you know, you're, there's a lot of people in logistics who are independent, look for opportunities to become known through volunteering and stepping into where the action is with your organization. Yep. And, and there's also, in addition to your, your own company, there's also all sorts of groups that you can be part of that yep. uh, give you an opportunity to shine. Yep, exactly, exactly. So what's what's another, what's the more challenging? Creating original content. It does take some time. Uh, the, the benefits are enormous in terms of how it helps you clarify your thinking on a particular topic. But creating content, uh, being on a podcast, you know, you've had some really incredible guests on your podcast. And when that is all said and done and there's a recording of that podcast, you can take that with you and you can put it, you know, attach it to the end of your email. You can put it on your LinkedIn profile. If you have a website, you can put it on your website. But if you start to create some content, content is what helps you raise your visibility on something like Google. Video is another thing, you know, a minute or two video. We have a a client of ours who's created enormously creative videos for his work with 3PL Logistics sales. And uh, so creating original content does, you know, you're most out of your comfort zone. You do stick yourself out there a little bit, but the benefits are quite enormous. So that would be one of the most challenging things an individual could do to step out from the veil of obscurity. So I've done webinars with you on usually on 3PL sales. Yep. I've written tons of articles. I've done this podcast. I've learned so much because when I have so when I'm creating content, this is I'm learning from you today, but every time I'm talking to somebody on my podcast, I'm learning something new. Yep. So by sharing what I'm doing here, I've gained so much more than I've ever shared. That's how, that's how I always feel about it. And even when you're writing an article, if you're writing an article, Five Trends in Logistics, I guess I should be able to write that article. I typically would sit down and Google and I read 10 articles before I write anything. Yeah, so, yeah. So it's almost like a little research project. Yeah, yeah. You become more knowledgeable through that exercise. So that's another, another way to, to let it be known as well. And this has been excellent. And again, I know we've been talking about doing this for a long time, so I'm glad we finally got this one under a belt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so put a bow on this topic, in. Yeah, so there is this idea of toiling in obscurity, and it has, sometimes it has a romantic overtone to it, or an undertone, actually, that, you know, you're working super, super hard, and someday you're going to somehow be discovered. And it's great to be the quiet, the stoic, (laughs) the quiet toiler. But the truth of the matter is, is that 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 is seldom recognized to the degree that it should be. And that's just the reality of it. So toiling in obscurity usually means you're working really, really hard and you're not very well known for it. So 
we want you to stop doing that. We want you to step out from behind that veil of toiling in obscurity. Now, there's lots of benefits to it. it you know, you the more you step out, the more you are legitimized, the bigger your network is, the more able you are to clarify your value proposition, the more easily you're found, the more easily you pass the filters, so to speak. You know, if you're one of three in the running and people can actually learn something about you, you have a greater opportunity of getting what you were seeking. So those are all real benefits. And at the same time, I do realize that some people get need to get out of their comfort zone around this. There's some legitimate reasons why you may feel like you don't want to do it. You have to ask yourself, am I willing to take on a little bit of discomfort for um, a greater benefit, a different kind of discomfort? There's a lot of discomfort in toiling in obscurity. You just don't know it because you're used to it. It's your habit. And if I could add something to that is sometimes this is a place where you want to get a coach. And I probably wouldn't have ever jumped into blogging and then webinars and then writing articles for people and then doing this or being invited to conferences had and that kind of, and it wasn't more than one push. It was a a lot of pushes and a few kicks to make me write that first blog post. Right. And so sometimes you need a coach or, uh, you know, a, accountability partner to get you out there because this isn't, I don't even think this is a nice to have anymore. In this yeah. day and age where I'm going to have 30 jobs in my career, I have to be something more than what my boss tells me to do. Yeah, that's an exceptional point. It's not a nice to have, it's a must have. And I also recognize that there are people who are not native to this. And so there's, you know, there's some technological discomfort as well. So, you know, kind of figuring out how you feel about that and what you're willing to do to overcome it, who you might want to ask to help you do this kind of work. I mean, there are people, for instance, who will write your LinkedIn profile. They'll ask you some good questions. We have a guy we have talked to named Brian who helps people define their value proposition. There's lots of ways to do it to to uh, overcome some of that fear. The other thing is, is that get over the idea that you have to know everything before you know anything. Um, right. Get involved in that conversation and share what you know. There'll always be something new for you to know, and you'll never know it all. In the meantime, there might be something very valuable that you might share with somebody in the in, in the process. This is all good stuff. Anne, and again, I know a lot of people who listen to my podcast are selling logistics services. And I think this is even more important for somebody who wants to sell. Because yeah. nobody goes online and types in 3PL sales guide. They're typing in problem statements, problems that they're having. Yep, and yep. so you should become that expert. So that's this kind of stuff you want to be out there sharing. Exactly, exactly. So, and this has been Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all this information with us. And uh, thank you to everybody who listens to this podcast. If you are interested, Ann and I do work with sales training and coaching for transportation logistics professionals. And, and this is the kind of thing we always are into. That When we talk about this topic, this is something we're very familiar with. So yep. uh, we have a lot of really smart people who say, I'm not ready. I'm not that guy. I'm not that yeah, gal. Exactly. <laughs> and we're the exactly. ones pushing them into it. <laughs> so. Yeah, because it's usually, it really usually is not lack of anything that you have to share. You've done enough work. You have a body of knowledge. You have a body of experience. You do have something to say. And it usually is these other things, these fears, these concerns, these hopes that, you know, you won't have to 
peek from around the curtain to in order to be discovered. But those are just things that'll hold you back. And in 2020, I think it's a good idea to to start to address them. And once you do, you'll wonder why you ever existed the other way. Exactly. Thank you, Anne. And You're thank welcome. You, thank you to everybody who listens to my podcast. Thank you. Your continued support is very much appreciated. And until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversations with experts in the logistics field. If you're an expert and would like to be featured on the Logistics of Logistics podcast, please email Joe Lynch at joe at the logisticsoflogistics.com. 